Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. What's going down? everybody welcome to a brand new episode of what's going down here wherever you get your podcasts or patreon if you want to get it without ads my name is kerry join as always by mr finley martin finn it's a gloriously sunny tuesday in glasgow how is how is it down your neck of the woods yeah very nice very nice yeah how's the uh, weather compared to where you were over the weekend barcelona i believe you were yes it was a little bit warmer in barcelona but it is giving barcelona a run for its money which i did not think i would ever say but um i was out doing some gardening earlier because the thing is when you get a house it's a small house that we bought when you get a house all of a sudden because when you're in a flat you don't really care about keeping a shared garden okay because then it's like somebody can just do nothing and then you're doing all the work Whereas when it's your own, you kind of have to, you kind of have to to take ownership of it. So that's what we've done, and um, yeah. So, so I've been doing. I was doing some lawn mowing yesterday, no Sunday, and then I had to go and buy like a leaf blower vacuum thing today. I think I'm I'm becoming you slowly but surely, Finn, with you know home home projects. <laughs> well, that's it. Well, it keeps you honest, doesn't it? Keeps you out mischief. And once you've bought the stuff that you need to do the jobs around the house or the garden or wherever, you know, it doesn't actually cost you that much money. And you you have this great sense of satisfaction. You think, well, you know what? I did that and it looks all right. 
Yeah, a sense of achievement, which is what you want. Exactly, um, sense of achievement. Keep shot at the pub. Keep shot at mischief. Keep <laughs> you on the straight and narrow. And that's what I need to do with you, Kenny. Keep yeah. you on the straight and narrow. I could fall off the tracks at any any time. Exactly. Um, before we start, though, I did. I I realised. I don't think I've actually said it on the podcast. So just in case anybody did not know, Inside the Ropes, uh, we're, we're obviously doing the Gangrel Intimate Evening Show in Glasgow in July. But we're back on tour this September. We're going to be in Cork, Dublin, Belfast, London and Glasgow. We're bringing over Eric Bischoff. Controversy creates cash and evening with Eric Bischoff. Every night will be a different topic. And uh, yeah, very excited to have him over. He is he's, he's a lot of fun on stage in front of a crowd. He gets what, what it is. So, looking forward to having him back over. Tickets are on sale now, right? Yeah, tickets, tickets are on sale now. We've we've only got ten tickets left in Belfast, completely. So that's almost out. We're about two thirds sold in Glasgow, about halfway sold in London, I think, just over that. So yeah, it's, it's going well. But uh, and I, we 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 really did try to get somewhere in the north of England. Um, in Manchester specifically, and we just we had a couple of venues that we were trying to talk to, and they didn't have anything those the weeks that we needed, so we just weren't able to make it happen. But uh, I, we'll do my best to try and get somebody to Manchester at some point soon, or to that it's, you know Manchester, Liverpool, Northern area. Um, but yeah, we're excited to be back on tour, and um, you know maybe maybe we'll hook up Eric with a with a Mister F Martin to. To talk the tour, talk from talk talk about wrestling. Maybe we can set that yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be great to do an interview with Eric Bischoff. That's never happened before. And um, I mean, I hope when you're interviewing Gangrel that you're going to talk to him about his amazing match with Taka. <laughs> I, I wonder if he remembers that match. Yeah, I mean, I'll need to be very careful about my wording of that because the fact that we for a moment thought, was Gangrel actually good? For for a brief moment, that match was so good that we almost thought that we'd maybe misremembered how bad Mis- it was. And- we misjudged him, and instead we realised it was just Taka Mishinoku who was good. Yes, he he was he was great. So, um, but yeah, Bischoff's coming September with ITR. So do go check out uh, itrtix.com, tix.com for that. Now let's go into. I, I did want to ask you quickly before we start because I know we talked about CM Punk quite a lot on the Power Slam podcast. I did just want to ask you because obviously he is going to debut or return on the the June seventeenth Collision show, and then eight days later it's the Forbidden Door show. Um, do you see Punk on that show? Is there anything that because obviously we should mention um, that it's been confirmed? I'm only bringing this up now because I feel like by Thursday it'll be old news, so I don't want to have us cover old ground. Uh, Brian Danielson did challenge Okada, and it has been accepted. So it is Danielson versus Okada at Forbidden Door and Omega versus Osprey in a rematch from uh, Wrestle Kingdom at Forbidden yeah. Door. So, I mean, Okada and, Bri- and Brian Danielson, that's a dream match, anyway you slice it. Yeah, I would say so, yeah. I mean, this is, to me, this was the reason that Danielson left the warm embrace of WWE and that safe environment, you know, very well paid and, um, you know, took something of a gamble. Well, was it a gamble? Maybe it wasn't a gamble. I don't know. But anyway, that was the reason he joined AEW, was to face people that he'd never wrestled before. And he felt like there was no further mountains for him to climb in WWE. He'd gone as far as he could. He'd wrestled basically everyone 
of interest to him in the company at the time. And by joining AEW, it would potentially give him access to new people in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And that's precisely what has happened or will happen later this month. So, yeah, it is definitely a dream match for Danielson. I'm sure for Okada as well. Um, and also answers our question, Finn, because we were wondering what's been going on with Danielson. Why has he not been wrestling? And maybe the idea has been well, we want to save him because we know we get this big match Forbidden Door, and Danielson is known to go balls to the wall at all times. So, yeah, you don't no, want let's not take any chances. You know, let's not scupper this by booking him in matches that you know kind of filler and don't really matter and not blockbuster. Whereas Danielson versus Akada obviously is. I mean, that will be either the show closer or the semi-main event. I would think on the card. So, uh, yeah, really good. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I think this will be, I think this will be, I mean, I think there's a lot of pressure on both of them to really deliver, but I think they will. I think the audience will be willing them on to have a classic match. Um, And uh, I'm confident they will. So that's the match I'm most looking forward to at Forbidden Door. And the reason I was bringing up CM Punk there was, do you see CM Punk on the card at Forbidden Door? And is there anything that you want to see him do? Because I did see uh, Michael Sidgwick of What Culture on Twitter had suggested maybe, you know, Punk will be the third man for FTR to take on just Robinson, Jay White, and I know maybe a third from Japan that they bring in. I mean, is that the answer with, with you know, basically two shows to build it with Punk? Um, or, you know, what do you, do you, yeah, do you, what I do you think? think? So. I think so. I mean, that's, it seems like that's the direction that he's returning to form a faction with FTR. I'm sure his faces at first and then they'll turn heel. Um, I mean, the speed at which he does the heel turn will be dependent upon the response to him when he returns. Well, uh, I mean, I I think we're fairly sure that Punk's going to do all right on his first night back. (laughs) But how will fans react to him, you know, on the 24th and you know, and then on the 1st of July, how will people respond to him? And then on July 8th, how will they respond to him in other parts of the USA or Canada or wherever? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would think that would be a good warm-up match for him or a good comeback match for him, um, just being part of a a six-man. Um, I mean, I know there's some, obviously, Jay White's... Uh, well, Jay White was a big deal before he joined AEW. I mean, I, I'm hoping he can be a big deal again because I think he's an amazing talent. It's kind of got lost, really, in AEW. But, I mean, this could be a huge opportunity for him to really, you know, plant his you know, flag in AEW and say, yeah, I'm here and I'm a big deal. I'm not like a second-match guy, as they've portrayed me and booked me to this point. So, um, yeah, that seems like a, a natural home for him on the Forbidden Door card to be in a six six-person or six-man match with FTR, and also it means that he, you know, he won't have to carry, you know, he won't have to wrestle for 20 minutes or 15 minutes straight. He can just, you know, wrestle sparingly, like we said last week. He can yeah. just, you know, do his part, but not everything. So I think that'll be a really good slot for him um, in his comeback match. Yeah, and FTR, you know, they'll, I think they'll be very good as his kind of, you know, seconds in command in the faction that they have and you know them them being the ones that wrestle more often um i think they'll do well at that so um yeah we'll see what happens later in the month um last friday let's go into smackdown which drew a monster racing fin with a peak of 2.9 million viewers 
for the 1,000-day celebration of Roman Reigns as the WWE Undisputed Universal Champ. Um, I think the, the overall was 2.563 million. Yeah, that number. was it. Yeah, yeah, huge number. Uh, biggest um, viewing audience of the year for SmackDown in the States. And, uh, I mean, we don't normally talk about demos because generally it's fairly dull talking about demos. <laughs> but, I mean, <laughs> you know, it did really well in the 1849 demo, 0.73, highest rated um, in that demo, and um, and then it also did um, a 12.3 in the men 18 to 49 demo. So, I mean, this was a huge deal on the night in the States. And, like, I think we often sort of talk WWE down, just as so many talk our country down, Kenny. But so many people just talk WWE down and just say, well, it's this niche thing now. And this was network TV. And this was, like, you know, the highest rating of the night in those demos on network telly in the States. So, I mean, WWE is is a big deal out there. It really is. I mean, it's not like a niche product. Like, it, you know, wrestling is obviously pretty niche over here in the UK, um, but it's a big deal in the States still. The fact that you can do these numbers on network TV, I think, just confirms that. Yeah. So yeah, huge, huge, huge number, um, and yeah, it just shows you that they are, you know, they're they're still on that hot streak <clears throat> at the moment, so they're they're still doing well. But let's dive into the show itself. Uh, SmackDown, we had a six man tag that opened the show after Austin Theory came out. It was uh, pretty deadly in Austin Theory against the Sheamus and the Brawling Brutes, and they went about uh, <clears throat> fifteen minutes, and in the end, Theory and Pretty Deadly got the win. Um, I thought this was a pretty good performance for Pretty Deadly in terms of being in there with bigger names on the show and uh, you know just kind of initiating them into the the main roster fraternity. So I thought this was a pretty good opener. Yeah, you can see that they they're doing well. Dead, pretty Deadly, Kit Wilson and Elton Prince, you know, a team that I just thought were never going to make it in the states, and they've showed me, and I think they're going to do really well on the main roster. I've said this from the start, um, and this was yeah, really good performance. Um, Rolling Brutes uh, versus Theory and uh, Pretty Deadly. Theory, prior to the match, had said he was the greatest ever. He finally got some mic type time. It feels like Theory's been a little lost ever since WrestleMania. I mean, he scored the win over Cena, but it just sort of feels like they haven't really had a plan for him. Um, this feud with Sheamus feels like it could be bigger than it is, and I'm not really sure if it's over. Is this it now? Has it peaked? You know, does Theory move on to someone else next? I'm not quite sure what's going to happen for Theory. But, I mean, he won here. Deadly got the win. Um, you know, they hit spilt milk on Ridge Holland. And then Theory scored the pin on Ridge. Um, thought it was good effort. And, um, yeah, I think it's been a really good introduction for Pretty Deadly. Um, I know some people don't like them. I think some people think they're like kind of not a big time act. But I think they will win people over in time. I think they can do pretty much everything. And I think in time, people will warm to this act, those who are currently, you know, resistant to um, to giving him a chance. I think they will. there will be a breakthrough there in time. And I think these guys are going to do well. Yeah, I think if, uh, I think, and I'd, I'd said this on Twitter, I think for Pretty Deadly, the key to their success is going to be a balance between doing enough of the character stuff that has made them popular so far but also bringing in enough seriousness as well that sort of balances out the idea that they're not just a comedy act. So that's mm-hmm. going to be the the challenge, which I, I think already you can see 
they're not there, but they're on the way to it. You can see them working towards it. So, yeah. Um, the Good Brothers against Hit Row. I mean, my God. Just, I thought, I thought, I thought it turned on main event for a second, Finn. <laughs> the Good Brothers and Hit Row. I mean, you know, just look warm. Is this? Is is this? These two teams. I mean, but, are you, you going to rename Luke Gallows Luke Warm Gallows? Luke Warm. There you go. We should patent that lukewarm gals. I mean, I mean, what a nickname! That's almost <laughs> as good as above-average Mike Sanders. It's really, the worst nickname in wrestling history. I mean, pro wrestling is all about exaggeration. Yeah, and you're calling someone this WCW guy that you know most people probably who were watching at the time probably can't remember, and they called him above-average. I mean, I mean, where's the ambition? But you're right, yeah. <clears throat> Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson versus Top Dollar and Ashante. It was uh, just filler match. Just seemed to exist really to celebrate AJ's 46th birthday. Um, and uh, he, uh, after the match, nailed Top Dollar with a phenomenal forearm. And that was it. So it's not looking good for um, for Hit Row, is it, Kenny, really? Although they were talking on commentary about, had they done a rap and it's done really well on YouTube? It's had about it had about a million views yeah. when this program was broadcast on June second. Maybe that's their future as rappers, Kenny. Yeah, I would definitely be looking into that over the future as you know tag team champion potential. Um, but I mean, the, the the thing with the Good Brothers is they they did well for themselves in Japan, and in the two runs they've now or the, is it three runs now they've had in WWE, two or three, whatever. How many? How many it is? They've they've not been able to click at all. No. They just can't. There's just something that's not there. So they, they um, just don't. To me, they don't feel like a big time act. I mean, some acts are just not not cut out for the main roster. It's just that simple. Yeah. And you know they're just not good enough, and that's just the way it is. And I just don't think Gallows and Anderson. There's the personalities just aren't big enough and. I think they also realise that the company's not going to do anything more with them than this. So that confidence and, you know, that personality and that, you know, the whole sort of X factor package that you need to connect, it just, it's like it's just been limited and it's just been shut down. It's like they're not, it's like they just don't believe in themselves because I think they know the company doesn't believe in them. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Um, we then had the Grayson Waller effect, which I actually thought he did better here. I thought this was actually quite funny. Um, he he basically had Asuka come out, 
when he was speaking to her um, and she was obviously talking to him in Japanese and he there was a, there was a bit where she said something in Japanese and Waller said I couldn't have said it better myself which was very funny um because he was just playing up you know the the act and then Eo Sky came out to interrupt and she and Asuka start arguing in Japanese Bailey comes out saying that, you know she's going to uh, qualify for money in the bank Shotzi came out to kill our souls Lacey Evans and then Zelina Vega um, because obviously later we're having Lacey and Zelina um, facing off to see who who goes into the Money in the Bank match Grayson Waller thought this was awesome um, and he wanted more women to come out and in the end uh, we got a big brawl with Asuka and Bianca Belair what did you think of this segment and uh, did anybody stand out for you in this? Um, I mean I thought (laughs) what's this it's like some cruel initiation of Grayson Waller (laughs) <laughs> I mean, he had AJ Styles on, and it's like maybe he just doesn't like Grayson Waller because ever since then, Styles really feels like he's been animated again and he's been enthused and, you know, excited to be there and he's bringing it. And we saw in the Grayson Waller effect, he just seemed like he was phoning it in. And here we go in the second Grayson Waller effect, and they put Grayson on with somebody who didn't speak English. So Waller had to essentially do all the talking. And then the next person who came out didn't speak English either. So he had to carry the whole damn thing. But I mean, you know, it did pick up when Bailey came out and then, well, Shotzi arrived and you're like, oh no, Shotzi's not going to be money in the bank, please. Remember what happened last year? She had to leave Twitter for about two months, didn't they, after after money in the bank? Yeah, yeah. She couldn't couldn't take the... I mean, the... I don't. I wouldn't joke about how bad the comments must be on Twitter, but I mean, she she's not helping herself in terms of the discourse about her in ring performance. No, and and she'd also taken some shots at Chris Jericho as well, if you remember prior to yes, this. And yes, I've obviously yes. taken shots at Jericho as well, and most of the most of the shots that have been you know lobbed at Jericho, I think, have been well deserved. But if you're going to dish it out, you have to be able to take it. When you have a bad night, and let's face it, most wrestlers do have their moments, and Shotzi, you know, is not exactly consistent in the ring, and she did have a bad night in Money in the Bank last year. So, you know, I'm not saying she deserved it, because people can be really horrible on Twitter. But, yeah, so um, I'm not convinced that she's going to qualify for Money in the Bank this year, and she's (laughs) probably going to be very relieved about that. Um, yes, but yeah, I mean, it was the segment was okay, I suppose. I just hope, I just hope that next time Grayson Waller does this chat show, they put him on there with somebody who can, you know, really give him something to work with. And I think he was his hands were tied here, but I think he actually did do well, given what he had to do and the people he was working with. The first two of which weren't speaking English, so you know, I'm I'm hoping Waller's going to make it. I'm a huge fan of his. I think he's a tremendous all round talent. Um, and I just hope they put him in the ring soon. Let him, you know, get him some matches under his belt on TV. Establish that connection with the audience before they send him back to interview someone else. Or maybe the next person he interviews, that's the person that he then has his first feud with. I mean, strangely, he's had these great smaller effects with people that he's not going to wrestle. So that's a bit odd, isn't it, really, when you think about when he did these chat shows in NXT, which were very well received by that small audience, that was usually to further his own feuds, wasn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's it's. I think I think you're right. Though. I think once he gets people who are he can actually do something with, then I think he'll do well. But the fact that he did so well here, I think, is a good sign for him because yes. after the AJ one, I was worried for him. Like I was worried, but um, yeah, I, th- I think he uh, he did well here. Um, the then we had Zelina Vega and Lacey Evans, where Zelina Vega uh, went through, so she's going to be set, facing. She's going to go into Money in the Bank. Yeah. Um, I did want to ask you though. I don't know if you saw the whole thing about uh, Lacey Evans and Sergeant Slaughter's daughter. Yes, I did. Where basically Slaughter's daughter was saying that how dare Lacey Evans? Because she came out in a kind of sergeant uniform. She came out with a you know slaughter esque yeah, hat, a marine uniform. She was in the Marines, as we know. Yeah, which Slaughter, Sergeant Slaughter was not. Well, he was in the Marine. Was he in the Marine Corps? I don't think he was. I don't think so. No, I mean, so, I don't think he was. I think it was I mean, just a gimmick. And yeah, I think his gimmick was successful. So, yeah, his gimmick was so good. We kind of maybe think he was, but he wasn't. So, and then she also the other thing is because. I think when she when when Slaughter's daughter, which I don't know her name, but that's what her name is on Twitter, um, it's not like she's a wrestler who uses a gimmick and Lacey Evans has stolen it. Lacey Evans just came out in a sort of standard Marine Corp sergeanty type outfit. Yeah. Um, it kind of feels, and then there was a story about how there was a WWE contacts to Sergeant Slaughter in January to maybe do some vignettes with Evans, and he, he declined. Um, it's a very strange story. Well, it is. I mean, it's Sergeant Slaughter thinking of making another comeback or something. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, it looks here like the person who wants the, the spotlight is Slaughter's daughter. Yeah, I mean, maybe she's angling for a feud with Lacey Evans. I would actually advise her against that because whoever opposes Lacey Evans, their career ends up deader than a roast turkey. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I mean, this is, was it, did this... Is this, do you think this is another gimmick change, change for Lacey? I mean, she, I don't know. Is anyone keeping count how many gimmicks she's had so far? I have no idea how many it is. It's quite a lot. It's like and eight or nine now, I think we're at. Every single one of them has failed. And she was, she to me, she just looks like she needs to leave. I mean, I can't believe she's still there. Presumably when her contract expires, she will just go. Because she's clearly not going to make it. They've tried lots of different things with her. None of them have worked. I mean, this was a phoned-in, mailed-in performance against Vega. Lousy match. And um, but do you think part of the reason that her part of the reason that she doesn't really go anywhere is because you can give her as many vignettes. She's had some good vignettes for various characters, but if all you can do is the same dull three-minute match, then yeah. what else can you do with somebody? You know, nowadays well, yeah. in 2022, you have to be able to compete at a certain level to to get over. You know, Braun Strowman's not the best in ring worker, but he can do enough that he can have good enough matches that he can be in the company. But I don't think she can do that. No, I mean they tried her as a baby face, and she's just not likable. Um, so they turned a heel, and she is a person that's easy to dislike. But she strikes me as a person that people resent for being on their TVs or being in the ring rather than someone that, you know, a dominant Mysterio type person who they're entertained by and love to love to boo, you know, love to jeer. She's just, you know, a nuisance, I think, is the best word to describe Lacey Evans. And people cheer when she leaves, you know, because she's just not interesting. 
And you're right, her matches just don't flow. It's like, you know, she's been doing this a while now. And, you know, I know NXT is different to WWE, but I remember seeing her in there and she just looked a hell of a lot better there than she ever has on the main roster. And I'm not quite sure what got lost in the journey between NXT and the main roster, but she she just cannot perform to the required standard on this program. And to me, they might as well just call it quits now and, you know, just let her go. You know, just say, right, we're just going to pay you off. It's not working. You know, we gave it a shot. You know, we'll pay you off. Here's the rest of your contract. You know, we wish you luck in your future doing, in your future endeavors. I don't think that would be, you know, harsh or unfair at this point. Um, she just she isn't going to make it in WWE. I think we, I think we can all agree on that. But yeah, but as for this story with Sergeant Slaughter's daughter objecting to her coming out in marine attire because that was some sort of insult to her father's gimmick. I, I mean, where's she coming from? I mean, I think she's attention-seeking. And you know what? She was very successful because we're That's talking it. about it now and lots of people were discussing it on Twitter. So congratulations to Sergeant Slaughter's daughter, um, you know, on on getting an audience. Yeah. It also, it doesn't bode well for the, the Evans and Vega match, which this felt like a more interesting topic to talk about. So, yes. Um, but Finn, all is not lost. You're a very happy man because LA Knight punched his ticket to the Money in the Bank match by defeating Montez Ford. Um, and I think he is going to get a big reaction come July 1st in the O2. Yes, I agree. I mean, Montez Ford here, I mean, looked upset. You know, he didn't have his usual swagger and sunny disposition as this match rolled on. I think some of that might have been linked to the booze that rose in volume when Ford pummeled Knight. I mean, it was LA Knight chance. He was very much the heel. Uh, Knight scored, scored a tainted pin with a roll-up by reversing a roll-up and holding the middle rope for leverage. Um, and then after the match, Ford disappeared without a word. And Knight pulled out a ladder from under the ring and climbed up and posed under the Money in the Bank briefcases for that Shot that was widely shared on Twitter, including by me. So, yeah, great news. I'm a huge Knight fan, have been for many years, have been since he was Eli Drake. And um, I hope he wins, Kenny. I hope he wins at Money in the Bank um, yeah. and does the babyface turn as well. I mean, he's about there. I mean, it's so obvious that he's going to turn soon. And when he does, and if they you know, combine that with the Money in the Bank win, you know, I think he can really become something in this company. Well, let's move on to the big celebration, the big main event celebration. We have Triple H coming out first uh, to award Roman Reigns a new uh, WWE, WWE Universal title belt, which is basically a big gold version rather than a black or blue one. What do you make of the new belt? Is it? Do you like it more than the other ones? Is, is it the same? How do you feel? I don't really like the design. Um, I don't think it shows much imagination. Um, I understand why they've done it, because this is now going to result in a lot more people buying replica title belts, which, as we know, are very expensive. Um, so I think it's a good marketing ploy by WWE. I'm sure they'll do very well out of this. So um, good for them. Um, I think it makes sense. Now we know that the belts are not going to be split and separated and Roman's not going to drop one of them and we're not reverting to the way things were 
pre-WrestleMania 2022, I think it makes sense for him to just hold one title belt instead of two. So, you know, I like that decision, uh, but I would like to have seen a complete redesign of the title belt, which I've, n- I've never liked this title belt. Kenny, what do you think of it? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of it either. Um, I'm not a big fan of the, the two belts he's got now. I'm not a, big, not a big fan of this one. But I think it's I think now, unfortunately, it's not really about a belt looking nice. It's about how much money they can make. But, you know, we still should be within our right to complain about how crap it looks. Because it does, it just doesn't look very interesting. Um, but yeah, it's just a big W. It's a big, just a big W, isn't it? Big logo. Like logo yeah. and a gold belt, but I did. You know, one thing I did want to bring up before we talk about the celebration, which obviously is, is tremendous, is one thing a story wrinkle that I think they need to deal with if Triple H is going to be some form of on-screen character because he has been out a few times and he puts Roman Reigns over and he puts him over and he puts him over. But if he's going to be some sort of on-screen authority type person, even just in these kind of segments, it doesn't really make much sense that he's never discussed or been asked about the fact that Reigns cheats in every single match and wins sort of, you know, un- unfairly in every single match that he has. So I think if Triple H is going to keep being a part of it, I think we need to see some form of way of them trying to deal with that because it does just seem, just seem a bit strange that, you know, the way the, the way the Cody match went at WrestleMania, the way the Drew match went at Clash at the Castle, it just seems odd for Triple H to then just be putting Reigns over all the time when he's supposed to be the biggest heel we've got. So I would like to see them deal with that in the future if he's going to keep being around. Yeah, I mean, the problem is, is if if Paul Levesque develops or Triple H develops a moral compass about these things, then he then becomes another Adam Pearce, doesn't he? And someone who has to make decisions about lots of things that happen each week that are unfair or... True. Maybe it's, maybe it's a Pearce thing. Maybe it's a Pearce thing and he has to kind of go, you know... For Reigns' next defense, be like you know you you there, you have got away with this for a long time. In this next match, you cannot have interference on your behalf, you know, from one of your your guys. And there's ways around that. You know, if somebody else interferes and it backfires or something, but just explain it in some way because I feel like one of the complaints, which I do understand, is that there is a certain formula to the Roman Reigns matches, and there doesn't seem to be any sort of comeuppance for the way that he always as a character, cheats to win. Well, you, well, which... you are right about that. But then if you go down that road, it opens, you know, a can of worms. So it means that then um, things have to be put in place to mitigate the cheating that they think Roman Reigns or the bloodline, or at least the members of the bloodline that are still on good terms with Roman Reigns, you know, might commit in order to help him win. So, you know, you then get into a position where, that threatens to take over the storyline. And you have, instead of it being Roman Reigns versus Jimmy and Jay or whomever, it's then Roman Reigns versus the authority figure. And we're back into that era again, where the authority figures are in this constant battle with the talent. And that threatens to overshadow the matches in the ring. So I do understand what you're saying. I just, I think, I think, I think if, um, I think if this was, let's just use MJF as an example. I think if this was MJF in AEW and he'd been doing it for like a year, I think there would be comments about it. And I think there would be kind of comments of, you know, be good if they did something to kind of, you know, just just explain it in storyline or, or be seen to be doing something just one time. Um, because I think it is something that probably is becoming a bit formulaic in how it happens. But and Reigns is talented enough. So they can switch things up a little bit. 
um, to keep it. If he's going to be champion for another year, it'd be good to get a little bit of variation in those matches. Because I mean, they are great, but you know, they do ten ten the same way. No, um, they do. Yeah, they do. But I mean, the thing is, it's fairly clear that we're heading towards Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa versus Jimmy and Jay. I think in a tag match, at Money in the Bank. So, yeah, because well, yeah, we do have Jay Uso's decision this Friday, which means I think Finn. I, I, I hate to say this because you know your ego is big enough, but I think you might be right again because you did say last week. You, you said I think that it should be the Usos against Reigns and score first, and then go down a sort of Jimmy Uso Roman route, which seems to be if Jay has to make a decision this Friday, seems to probably be that that's the way they're going to go. I think so. And and the really curious, the, re- the thing that I'm really curious here about this presumed tag match between Jimmy and Jay, the twins, Reigns and Solo, and Money in the Bank, is do they have the courage? Do they have the booking grapefruits, Kenny, to have Jimmy pin Roman Reigns in that match? Because if he does then that sets up the SummerSlam match, doesn't it? Yeah, what a massive get that would be as well for, for Jimmy, you know, to give him it be. that, that more. And, you know, that I, I don't subscribe to the idea that it would mean it would take away anything from Reigns. You know, no, I don't most... think it would either. And, and the thing is, if Jimmy pins solo, it's like, okay, it'll be a big win, but it will be nowhere near as big as if he pins Roman Reigns' shoulders to the map. And also, if he pins Solo, would that really entitle him to a title match at SummerSlam? I mean, arguably, yes. But if he were to pin Roman Reigns, then rubber stamp it the next day. Roman Reigns is furious. He can't believe that he's taken a pinfall first time since, was it 20? I think it was 2019 was the last. I think it was actually Baron Corbin was the last person to defeat him. I believe that's correct. I think it was. I'm trying to look through here and find the... I think it was the end of 2019 that that happened. I'm looking Um, up now. So if Jim does does score the pin on Roman Reigns, then, you know, book the match. It's Jimmy versus Reigns for the title at SummerSlam. And that's a huge match. And that's a huge, huge night for Jimmy as well. Yeah, last time that uh, that Reigns lost was TLC 2019, where he lost the tables, ladders, and chairs match to King Corbin. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. you can't make it up. And it also, and, well, so and I don't know if he was pinned in that match, but King Corbin did pin Roman Reigns on SmackDown from Manchester in the UK on the 8th of November 2019. So he was right. one of those two pins. Um, Anyway, uh, let's move on to the big celebration. Uh, basically, we've got uh, the US, throughout the show, they'd sort of been saying, you know, the USO should not be here. Paul Heyman had said that he spoke to Adam Pierce. Adam Pierce had arranged extra security to make sure that, you know, the USOs couldn't be here. And, you know, before Roman can do anything after he's got his new belt, the USO's music hit. They came out and uh, Roman orders Jay to kick Jimmy in the face, saying, you know, I'm not joking, you better do it. Um, and Jimmy ends up kind of standing up to him. Uh, Jay obviously does not comply. Jimmy said he did what he did because he was being a brother and brothers treat each other with respect. And Roman has not been doing that lately. And Jimmy told Solo, you know, he's going to do the same to you. So Solo then joins uh, his brothers. He joins the Usos. To, well, to, well to what he said was, 
what he said was Reigns gave Solo the microphone. He spoke, yeah, like, first time. Yeah. Who are you loyal to? And mm-hmm. uh, Solo said, I acknowledge you, my tribal chief. And Roman smiled. And then there was a pause. And Solo said, but these two, Jimmy and Jay, are my brothers. And then he went and stood with them. And Reigns' face dropped. It was a stunning moment, wasn't it, Kenny? The latest development in the saga. The latest development. And then, you know, Jimmy saying, by the way, it looks to me, you're standing on the island of relevancy all by yourself. So what I thought was a really clever way for them to position this was once Jimmy had Solo and Jay on side, Jimmy sort of said, right, we can either all be together with respect or not. So he still wanted to be part of the bloodline with Roman Reigns. He just wanted respect. He wasn't just trying to turn on him or anything for no reason. And Roman ends up hugging Jimmy um, because Jimmy said, what's it going to be? Are we are we together as a family with respect or not? And then Roman hugs Jimmy and then he kind of opens his eyes and says no. And Solo then blindsides Jimmy with a spike. Roman leaves with Solo and Paul Heyman. Jay's looking after Jimmy and uh, Roman said, you can hear it on camera, Jay will fall in line and come home. He always does. Yeah, I mean... 10 out of 10, Finn. You cannot... I, I, I don't know how you could make this segment any better. No, I, I think the timing on everything and the reactions, everything was just done perfectly. And, you know, we know these characters so well. We know the power differential between them all. You know, we know the psychology between them. We know that Reigns is this master manipulator. You know, we know that Jimmy and Jay... You know, secretly, or not even secretly anymore, because Jimmy, when he thought that Solo was on their side, was extending the olive branch, trying to reconcile, saying we're stronger together. And it seemed like Roman, you know, was willing to, you know, bow and, you know, just be uh, like a partnership of equals rather than with him as, you know, this dictator who uh, backs out the orders. Um, but I mean, Jimmy, he underestimated Roman. It's like, no, you know, I'm not going to back down here. I am in charge. And then Solo reveals that he's actually still loyal to Roman Reigns. That had been a ruse, a setup. And he nails Jimmy with a spike. Jimmy falls down. He can't believe it. Jay's like stunned. What do I do? Reigns and Paul Heyman and Solo Sokoa leave. And the camera's right there. And the camera work. WWE is always just pinpoint accuracies. Cameras exactly where they ought to be at the right time. The mic's there. We hear everything. We see everything that we're supposed to see when we're supposed to see it. I mean, it's just so well mapped out and laid out, managed and directed. And then Paul Heyman was there, you know, my tribal chief. He said to Reigns, my tribal chief, what about Jay? And Reigns coolly said, you know he'll he'll do what he always does and fall in line. So and as you said, you know, Raw we learned from Paul Heyman, you know that uh, it's going to be this big moment for Jay this week on SmackDown. This coming Friday on SmackDown, he's gonna, you know, announce he's gonna reveal to the world whose side he's on. Does he go with Jimmy? Or does he return to the fold? Does he fall in line behind Roman Reigns as he has always done before? So I think we know how it's going to play out, but it doesn't really matter if we know in advance how it's going to play out. It's watching this story develop that we're all enjoying so much. 
And uh, yeah, it's episodic in its nature. Um, I just think it's I think it's the best thing in wrestling by a mile. Yeah, hundred percent. And I I I don't I don't want to say a knock to AEW in response to this, but I I do just want to say this is I think that when AEW have done the story through the last few years with the elite and you know Hangman Page leaving and then the reuniting of the elite, I think that this this stuff is the stuff that's missing for that for, for me. You know, it, there's not these kind of promos and these segments that feel, you know, that you're in the edge of your seat. That just doesn't happen in that story, and that's why I think sometimes, you know, the elite stories don't resonate as much with me because they don't have these kind of segments to back up the, the story so i think this, this is this is my kind of wrestling to a t um and yeah i, I agree with you. it's the best thing on wrestling and uh I'm, I'm i was very skeptical how they were going to keep this going after wrestlemania because you know with wwe we've seen so many times they'll do a storyline that's really good until a certain point and you know after the certain point it's going to fall off a cliff but it's not. After WrestleMania, when Cody didn't win, it didn't fall off a cliff. It, well, there was a month where Roman wasn't around. It was a bit dull. But once he came back, um, it just went right back up to the same levels of excitement and intrigue. So, yeah, very excited to see what happens this Friday with Jay. Um, Raw uh, last night, we had Becky Lynch qualifying for the women's Money in the Bank match beating Sonya Deville. We had Zoe Stark. Uh, qualifying by beating Natalia. Thank God. Can you imagine if she had <laughs> somehow won? Um, so, yeah, so they've both advanced. Are you happy about those two being in the uh, women's money in the back match? Yeah, I really I really enjoyed the Lynch versus Sonia Deville match. It feels to me like Lynch has been energised by this whole Trish, Trish Stratus programme, which is odd because it just seemed to be, you know, sucking the life out of her at first. And I think there's been a you know major U-turn in the way that she's approaching it. Um, I mean, I think really ever since Night of Champions, it's um, massively accelerated and there's just so much more depth and interest to it. Um, yeah, Lynch overcame Sonia Deville here, despite interference at ringside from Chelsea Green and during the match, Trish Stratus and Zoe Stark came out and uh, stood in the aisle and watched. So I, I, I like the fact that Sonia had more offense than I thought she had a lot of offense here. I thought they showed a lot of respect to Sonia and I thought she did well in this match and I thought Lynch did as well. And um, so I thought that was a big success. Natalia versus Zoe Stark was a total flop. Um, I mean, Zoe's just not connecting, even with Trisha Ringside. I hope she does. They've got to give us some booking assistance, Kenny, because I think I don't think Zoe's going to make it on her own. You know, the machine needs to step in and offer her a helping hand. And Natalia, I mean, it's like at one point she still had a connection with the audience, and I think I don't know what's happened with her. Maybe she's I don't know. I mean, the Rhea Ripley match just contributed nothing tonight, champions. And there was just like total silence, wasn't there? The Zoe Starks match with with Natalia yeah. here. But then I think I think the wrestling crowds tend to enjoy you when you're relevant and when you do stuff. And then the the, the goodwill towards you is only going to last so long. Yeah. And if you don't do anything of use, you know, that's why Dolph Ziggler now gets next to no reaction when he comes out because when was the yeah. last time he did anything that was of any use? Um. Elsewhere in the show, we had Seth Rollins coming out to open the show. He ends up being interrupted by the Judgment Day. Um, and this was a kind of wacky segment where Damien Priest wanted to answer Rollins' 
open challenge, but Rollins was taking jabs at Finn Balor, uh, sort of saying, you know, because uh, he said even if he loses the title to Priest tonight, his reign will still have lasted longer than Balor's did. Um, and Balor just looked in such a huff with that line. Yeah. Good. Uh, which led us to the main event of Priest and Seth Rollins. How do you think they did here? Was this a, in terms of a match, obviously Rollins won in the end, but was this a good performance from Priest? What did you think? Yeah, I think it was. I mean, I thought it was a long, satisfying matchup. I mean, they'd had an agreement in the opening segment where Rollins had said to Priest, you know, okay, I'll give you the match, but why don't you try and do it on your own without any Judgment Day assistance? And Priest said, yeah, no problem, I'll do that. And then Finn Balor turned up during the main event matchup, and Priest didn't seem too pleased about that. So that was quite an interesting development there. And then after Rollins inevitably returned against Priest with the stomp, um, Finn Balor confronted him in the ring. Um, might it be Balor versus Rollins and Money in the Bank? I think will be. Yeah, I think so. I can't imagine they're just going to give that away on TV next week, although I could be wrong about that. Um, I think, you know, Balor versus Rollins feels like a big match. Um, obviously, Balor's not from London. He's Irish, but it's... You know, he's got that connection with the UK wrestling scene. So I feel like that would be a huge match for him. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that. But, yeah, pray, Priest here. I'm curious to see how this affects the relationship between Priest and Bala. Is Will there be an argument next week? Will Priest say to Bala, you know, I told you to stay in the back. I didn't need your help. You distracted me. I could have won it if you hadn't come to the ring. Is that... The, the destination, is that the direction of travel for these two in the Judgment Day? So I'm curious to see how that plays out. And yeah, presumably it would be Bala Rollins and Money in the Bank, which I'm absolutely up for. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think it was a good it was a good kind of uh, tw- twist in the story, like you say, with uh, Priest and Bala having a little bit of uh, friction at the end. So I, I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing that with us. And, and having Rollins get a big win, because Cody Graves said at the end, he said, you know, Rollins' work is just beginning, which obviously is a thing, thing about Balor. But then f- further from that, we're going to see who uh, Rollins is going to face at Money in the Bank. It doesn't feel like it is going to be Balor, but maybe it will be. I mean, we're a month out, so can we can, we'll know by next week. You know, we'll, we'll probably know by either if Rollins and Balor doesn't happen, they're holding it off, or if Rollins is finally attacked by Drew McIntyre. Finally. Yeah. Well, we've got three more episodes of Raw. Yes. Before Money in the Bank. So, I mean, maybe it'll be Drew. Maybe, I mean, do we know if he's returning? It's, but things have been very quiet on the Drew McIntyre front lately. I think no it's, one's I mean, talking about him. I think it's still this, uh, you know, creative slash contract scenario. Whereas contract's up later this year. Um, I, I don't think he's injured. So, um, yeah, very, very strange indeed. Um, mm. Let's talk about Miz TV. Miz had Cody Rhodes on Miz TV, and then uh, Miz had a special surprise guest, which was Dominic Mysterio. Um, and uh, Dominic comes out with Rhea, and uh, you know they're making fun of Cody and saying, you know, Cody, you're just a deadbeat dad, like like my dad. You know, you should be at home with your daughter. And then Cody had some good lines about, you know, your 15 minutes in prison must have been very hard on you. And said that Dominic has a you know, Dominic, you've got a worse prison tattoo than I do. Yeah. And then he said, and then he said, Red made some terrible mistakes. I know because I'm looking at one of them. 
That was mm. a good one. Miz had a great line as well at the beginning. He said to Cody Rhodes, you look dashing tonight. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah, good, good lines in this. And then in the end, you know, Dom uh, slaps Cody. But when Cody tries to get to him, it's Ripley in front and she's kind of, you know, teasing Cody, like, go and hit me. So Cody just turns around and wallops Miz with the, the, the cast and knocks him down. So, Finn, are we going to see at Money in the Bank the epic mixed tag team match, Dominic Mysterio and Rhea Ripley against Cody and Brandy Rhodes? <laughs> well, I believe it was a condition when Cody signed, we don't want your wife. She's not coming with you. That's it. You know, this is non-negotiable. Are you sure that's not you talking now? <laughs> that, that's your agreement with Cody. Brandy cannot show up under the F. Martin agreement. Um, well, I mean, because I mean, cause, I mean the, the, sto- the story came out today that Brock Brock's not at Money in the Bank, and the the, the date of the third Cody Brock match is going to be SummerSlam in Detroit. Yeah. So Brock's going to be on like three rows promoting that. So what does Cody do at Money in the Bank? Is he in the match? Is he in? Something else. It's, there's not really a. Cle- I mean, I just think Cody and Dominic could be a good Money in the Bank match if you build it up right. I don't know if that's what they're doing here, but I'd be up for seeing it. Yeah, I think that'd be a fun mid card match. I mean, it's gives them a win. It's not going to be particularly challenging for Cody. I mean, everyone I think will know who's going to win. Um, I mean, and with Rhea Ripley at ringside interfering freely, then. You know, you've got some good back and forth there and some good entertainment and lots of heat. And I think Dominic um, would provoke, you know, a hell of a heel response or attract a hell of a heel response in London. Um, You know, and Cody's been in big matches at Batlash at Night of Champions. So we know he's going to, as you just pointed out, he's going to be in another big match at SummerSlam. So, you know, know, the the guy deserves to take it easy. The guy deserves an easy night. And I think... Against Dominic Mysterio, I think that would be a fun mid-card match that would be thoroughly entertaining. And between the Money in the Bank ladder matches, the presumed Jimmy and Jay versus Reigns and Solo match, whomever Seth Rollins is defending against, Drew McIntyre or Finn Balor, um, maybe Gunter versus Riddle. I think there's a good chance that Riddle face Gunter at Money in the Bank as well. I mean, you've already got a really strong lineup there. So, yeah, I think most people, I think, would be satisfied with Cody and Dominic Mysterio. Yeah, the, the Money in the Bank matches, Cody and Dom, Usos against Solo and Roman, uh, Seth in a title match as well. I mean, there's a pretty good card. So, yeah. Um, uh, what else do we have on Raw that's worth a mention? We had uh, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler versus um, Caden Carter and Katana Chance. Yes, which... we did. Which, which I actually thought was Rousey and Baszler's best match in in like almost forever. Not forever, obviously, but <laughs> in a very long time. In recent memory. Yes. And uh, Rousey and Baszler were backstage. They invited anyone to face them. And then Caden Carter and Katana Chance entered the picture. And we had, the, I think we had the, was it the Munchkin reference? I think we had that because... Chance and Carter are both diminutive. Uh, but I thought this was a really good performance by Chance and Carter. I mean, the you know, they had like 
snap and fire and vigor. And I thought they put Baszler and Rousey to shame in the ring. I mean, they absolutely went for it. I thought Baszler actually did well in the match. She sold well. She backed down. She did what a heel is supposed to do, shine the baby face, you know, flail around and make the baby face look superior. I mean, Rousey was okay. I think it was actually better performance from Rousey than we've seen from her in a very long time. Um, I actually would have quite liked to see Carter and Chance score a fluke win. You know, I can understand why they had, you know, Baszler uh, force Carter to tap out because they just won the belts. And, it would, you know, this is Katana and Chance's first match on Raw. But I think, you know, you would have created instant challenges there. And I think a hell of a lot of it more, a hell of a lot of interest really in Chance and Carter had they scored the fluke win. Um, but I mean, I thought it was a really good performance by the newcomers. I thought they really, I think they showed a lot and they showed a lot of poise, and a lot of professionalism, and they showed what's been missing from so many women's matches, particularly in the tag team division in WWE. Yeah, I thought, I thought Caden and uh, Caden Katana did well. I just thought the Alba Fire and Isla Dawn uh, vignette on SmackDown was also pretty good, hyping yeah, them yeah. coming in. So yeah. I didn't ask, I mean, the, the problem for me, and I'm aware this is a me problem, I, I really struggle because Ronda Rousey, I mean, actually just last night I was pottering about it and I thought, do you know what, I'm going to put on the, the Ronda Rousey-Nia Jax match from Money in the Bank 2018. And it you would not believe it's the same person, just in terms of how big a star they are how the atmosphere of the matches. I mean, Ronda Rousey, if you didn't know that she was a former UFC champ and movie star and all this, you would never guess from the position she's in now. So I think if you can just remove all that, then she had a pretty decent performance, but it's just wild. I mean, because you think about how much money, she must be getting paid more money than half the women's division combined. Yeah. And are you getting any of that money back for this? No. It doesn't seem like it at all. No, she's not providing value for money at all. And this whole thing that, you know, she's she demands being in the tag division. It's like, well, look, WWE have never put the effort into the tag division, as we know. Sasha and Bailey, when you know, they had a lack of opponents. Sasha and Naomi had the lack of opponents. You know, they were they were promised by all accounts from Sasha and Naomi, they were promised a big push. Once you win the title, it's gonna be great. And then six weeks later they were told they were gonna lose singles matches for their various titles. So this is the way it's always going to be. So to me, they should be saying to Ronda, look, we want you in singles matches doing this. And if she says, no, I'm not doing it, then go separate ways. Because it's just not, it's not worth it economically to the company to have her here on a seven-figure salary for this. Well, I know what you're saying, Kenny, but I think they've, I think they've realized that this is as good as it's going to get. And that for whatever reason... Ronda Rousey is not the person that she was five years ago. And, know, and, also they know, and also they know that if they if they were to release Ronda Rousey, yes. that it would look so bad if they were to release her. Your well, team. it would. I mean, she she's not shy about complaining, is she? I mean, she complains now. And she's in it. She did an interview last week where she said that, you know, there's no, there's no depth to the tag division. <laughs> she's just saying this in media interviews. I mean, it's true, but it's just, you know, you wouldn't hear, you wouldn't hear you know, Natalia. You know, collective responsibility here. You know, you're on the team. You know, when you're on the team, you don't knock the team or you do it in a very diplomatic way. 
you know, you don't come out and just slam the team. <laughs> um, but oh, yeah. I just think they've realised that Rousey as a singles player does not work. They have given her numerous chances against many different opponents and none of it has delivered. Some of it has been woeful, crummy. <laughs> and I think by booking her in the tag division with Shayna Baszler, it means she's only in the ring half the time at most. Um and she can do less damage. I think that's their opinion. I think that's their mission. You yeah. know, we've just got to continue using this person who we're paying all this money to. Let's make the best of a bad job. Uh, just to, We will talk about Vince being backstage at Raw on Thursday instead of today. The last thing I want to bring up to you was Gunther and Kevin Owens had a 17-and-a-half-minute match. The crowd in Hartford actually were a very hot crowd for Raw. And uh, another... Another great performance by Gunther. He just seems to be in a role. Shock and awe. That's <laughs> what that's what he brings, Gunther. So, um, I mean, the audience, it took a little while for him to warm up. But, uh, I mean, they were piping hot by the end of this one. By the Really by about, you know, two-thirds of the way into this match between Gunther and KO. And it happened, it happened after the match was came about after a conversation backstage. You know, which Gunter had told Kevin Owens that he needed to control his temper. And that led to a challenge by Owens to Gunter. And uh, yeah, blinding action, near falls galore. I mean, Gunter scored a fluke pin following a, with a roll up following a commotion involving Zane and Vinci and Kaiser. Yeah, I thought this was uh, tip top, first rate action, first rate TV match. And uh, quite right that Gunter should win, you know, he's he's going to become the longest reigning intercontinental champion for sure. And I don't think he's going to do the job to anyone before he loses that that belt. Uh, and nor should he. So, uh, um, yeah, really enjoyed this. It was, um, I'm sure Gunter was like, you know, this is it, I've arrived now. You know, I'm here, I'm over, I'm established. Everything's going to be all right. This move to Raw is going to work out fine. So, yeah, it was the highlight of the show for me. And we all, just last night, we did see Bronson Reed uh, interfering in a Shinsuke Nakamura ricochet match and attacking them. Um, maybe Shinsuke puts his money in the bank place on the line against Bronson next week and beats him. Maybe that's blind hope. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I mean, there was some cheers for Reed, actually, after he um, ran in and attacked Ricochet and Nakamura in this seemingly when it was booked pointless match and then when Reed arrived we knew why it had been booked um yeah I mean I know some people like Nakamura and I used to be a huge fan of his in New Japan I just thought he was tremendous he was often featured in Power Slam you know you know I still think that match he had with Sami Zayn in 2016 his first night um at the takeover was just magnificent um he had that amazing match with AJ Styles just before he left New Japan and, you know, I, I don't think he's a bad performer, but he's there's nothing left for him. He's done it all. He's never going to be a top guy here. And I think Bronson Reed, I'm not saying he could be a top guy because I don't think he could be. But I think he could be a player. And I actually think he's quite likable. He was likable in NXT. And I think he's somebody who, when they turn him face, will do better as a face than he will do as a heel. 
But yeah, I'd like to see Reed in Money in the Bank. It feels like that could do something for his career. It's not really going to do anything for Shinsuke Nakamura, is it? Yeah, it's uh yeah, I think it would do so much more for Reed. So hopefully they pull that trigger next week. Uh, listen, that's all the time we've got for today. We'll be back on Power Slam on Thursday and the overrun as well. We will be reviewing that Dark Side of the Ring episode with Chris Candido as well on the overrun. So uh, we've not forgotten about it. Um, but yeah, uh, InsideTheRoadsMagazine.com. You can obviously order issue 33, which is out now. Pre-order for issue 34 will be coming very soon. And uh, Patreon is where you can hear more of us. Where, uh, we just recorded a Judgment Day 2003 review recently. We've got weekly overruns going out with Q&A and stuff. So lots of stuff over there at Patreon.com forward slash Inside the Ropes. So, um, and shout out to Craig Roberts, actually, who said that... Uh, Perslan, you know, Perslan's his favorite podcast. I listen to it every week, so I saw he commented that. So shout out to Craig on Patreon who made that comment. But uh, yeah, Finn, I will look forward to speaking to you again in forty-eight hours. Yes, exactly, and thanks very much to Craig. Yeah, we appreciate we appreciate all of you, particularly Craig. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, looking forward to Thursday, and uh, we shall uh, talk some more wrestling then. Yes. So thank you very much for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.